Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you will find today's tennis discussions. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors, well, they might provide the roadmap for your journey. For the last about six years now, I've been blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Who are these mentors you have been listening to for on our Thursday's broadcast? Well, at least once a month, I've been blessed to have either Dr. Alan Fox or Coach Chuck Ricci on the broadcast. This month, I'm especially blessed because being this is the last broadcast of the 2020 season, I've had both of them on. Life doesn't get much better than that. Our mentors sharing their, other mentors sharing their knowledge on Thursdays have been coaches like Ashley Hobson, Bobby Palis, Dr. Bryce Young, Ed Kras, Johnny Angel, Nick Saviano, Scott Engie, Scott Williams, Energy Coach Linda LeClaire, and others. Matter of fact, Scott Williams, we uh, you can't know, don't know for sure yet, but he might be squeezing in and taking. Uh, my spot, uh, sharing tennis blessings, but uh, we'll let you know uh, soon on that. Besides these co- coaches sharing the knowledge, you may also have heard other coaches, college, high school, tennis coaches, or USTA, PTR, USPTA heads, as well as leaders from tennis, racket, and sports organizations. And because I do believe Dr. King when he said, our life begins to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each week you've heard my biased views on North American tennis and life. I would like to especially thank the Yellow Ball CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting the program and on our network. And, of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio is you can listen at any time you choose to any of the programming on the Yellow Ball Network. I don't think I've missed a, a broadcast of Wednesday's American uh, Tennis, uh, what actually are mentor uh, today, uh, but uh, truthfully seldom have I heard it live because of my schedule, but many times late at night or sometimes early in the morning, uh, I've been able to catch you, and that's the nice thing about uh, Block Talk uh, Radio is you can listen at any time you want. I think I see a mentor uh, now. Uh, I will introduce him in a minute. I do want to uh, go into my commentary. As you know, uh, I've gone from um, doing them live uh, to uh, I'm not too old to uh take advice, and when the suggestion to uh, write them and print them, uh, I know I have a uh, lousy uh, voice for radio. Uh, I uh, publish them uh, every, I don't publish them, I put them on uh, Facebook every uh, Thursday. Uh, But uh, today's commentary for October 29th is, are you ready to be tested, or are you searching for utopia? Those of you who have seen our FHS TCA team coaching certification for high school tennis coaches know I am not above tennis, but this is not about another test. Being blessed to have survived 80 years of crisis, destructions, failures, and financials, ups and downs, viruses, and other things, I have learned that they are followed by opportunity for free enterprise in Americans. (coughs) Excuse me. We are now in the recovery stage of this pandemic, and America will again be looking for sports to escape to, recover, 
and to get in the game, especially tennis. Soon there will be an opportunity for tennis coaches. If you're a competitive tennis player, ITF, ITA, WTA player, or a teacher, opportunity always follows crisis, and the rewards of watching an athlete become a tennis player's are blessings which you will remember forever. If you're willing to listen to all sides, you may expand your mind beyond average and start considering things like why and how and who will be needed to succeed. If you're willing to wait for your rewards of coaching tennis, today is the time to start. Like many of us who understood that looking for utopia normally leads to more destructions, we didn't wait for that perfect opportunity. We stepped forward and continued our journey. Today, there are many tennis organizations to assist you on your journey, and if you're willing to make some mistakes, excuse me, I'm just uh, looking at my computer, Uh, Attend functions, continue studying, you will find some mentors to assist and guide you. You and your family need to be conscious of that. You're going to make the difference with help from other people. Things like reading our mentor's book today, Coaching Tennis. So when I got into switch from basketball to tennis, it was a major help. Those state uh, organizations are not the answers. You're the person doing it. During previous broadcasts, commentaries, and articles in Florida tennis, you have heard my express that coaching is time-consuming and not normally a quick fix for financial security. You have also heard my and other views that fear should not be a tool of coaching And I don't believe that fear should be part of your reasoning. While the coaching road is less traveled than others, if you believe in a servant philosophy and love the beauty of the land, sharing the beauty of the game is available now. The life journey you might help produce could be one that will be admired years later. Imagine the amazement and satisfaction you will feel when reflecting back on a beautiful memory. Well, today we have a special mentor, somebody that I've been blessed to uh, known for quite a year, few years, and traveling from basketball to uh, tennis, uh, somebody that I lean on a lot. Uh, and when you look at, you know, when you think about a four-time recipient uh, uh, of National Coach of the Year award, five uh, Coach Grand Slam champions, six authored books, uh, and, and uh, to me a book, a book that every coach should be reading is Coach in Tennis, if you're coaching tennis, and uh uh, it's a great tool for you. Uh, nine players coached the Grand Slam Finals. Eleven top ten, uh, one hundred uh, top one hundred players ATP WTA Tour. Thirty one former players assisting in college coaches. Uh, to me, uh, I know that would be a special privilege. I have a few, but I wish they that number. And I think that's something I admire more than anything. But a 40-year collegiate head coach and winning this coach in the ACC history, yes, we're talking about our mentor tonight, uh, coach and tennis author, Coach Chuck Reese. Coach, how are you tonight? Hi, John. Thanks, John. Very well. Very well. I've been able to make it home and, uh, spend time with my family. We had a rainy day, and guess what? We get to play matches tomorrow. We're playing college matches uh, tomorrow at the Citadel. I'm, we just finished week nine of training. Anybody in one of those states that have been closed up, we played nine straight weeks of tennis, only lost two days because of rain. 
uh, our AD basically said, look, our kids came here to play. We're going to do it the right way. We're going to do it the safe way, but let's play tennis or play sports. <laughs> Not just tennis, but sports. We played football. We played the fall sports. But we're at a military school at the Citadel, so my golly, they do it well. And and uh, we, we had to take all of our tests yesterday or Wednesday, and everybody's fine, you know, so everybody's everybody's done well. Nobody's gotten sick. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting times. <laughs> it really is. So how am I doing? Great. Every day I get to practice, unfortunately. After our two matches tomorrow that we'll play, uh, we have to then go to what they call an eight-hour work week. And um, I could talk forever about the rules that we have and should have and shouldn't have in college, but uh, we go to an eight-hour work week, and we'll do that for three weeks. Then the kids will go home. The kids on campus have been here for, dang, let's see, nine, 11 weeks. And everything's going well, and I'm. It's great. It's it's just great to be on this campus and uh, to be able to work at this stage. But um, you know, it's it's really, really, really been good. Really been good. But that, uh, John, uh, to everybody out there, um, we need to be out and active and working and doing our normal stuff. And let me tell you what, I would rather. And, and, you know, it's, 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 these are all sayings, but I would rather be going after stuff and, and continuing on and challenging and out facing stuff. Life is a risk every day of our lives. I don't want to be hiding. I don't want to be afraid of stuff. That's, that's really horrible. And, uh, I'm, I'm very, very glad that I work at a place like this. It's fantastic. So that's how I'm yeah. doing. I'm excited because I get to coach tennis. <laughs> well, and I think that's a blessing. And I think that's, uh, and, and it's uh, my own bias uh, uh, with the military thinking, especially for young people, uh, you have to be doing and you have to be going out. And just uh, to make it clear to the audience, uh, I am not planning to uh, die. I am healthy uh, when the Almighty is ready to call me. Uh, I hope I'm uh, ready to go. But uh, I've done so much traveling with teams and tennis players and athletes, and, and truthfully, I've enjoyed most of the time. But we're at a stage now where we have a couple athletes uh, in college, and uh uh, we want to see them and family. And Bobby, uh, I've been blessed to do what I love because of her uh, cooperation. And truthfully, she spent most of <laughs> of her vacations traveling with kids that she still loves and she still associates with the, these tennis players that we've journeyed all over the country with. But... Uh, with the raspy voice and everything, I just think it's time for me to sit there and go, I'm not planning to disappear. I'm ready to help uh, any way I can with people. Uh, I have been asked to, with some broadcast to uh, appear. I will gladly uh, do that because I've been blessed. Uh, with you and Alan Fox, I mean, with all the people that associated with the broke. Uh, the program for what, about six years now to be yeah. able to uh, talk to uh, people, but knowing that once a month I had you or Dr. Alan Fox on, uh, <laughs> life doesn't get much better than that. So I'm not well, going to forget the people that, you know, help me. Kind, John. You're, you're kind, and, and John, I, I here, look. You've done this six years at 300 programs, about 300 programs close, and God bless you for that. And, uh, you know, here's I want to let everybody know next Wednesday in my American Tennis program, I will have John Denise on the, the uh, program. And I talked about you last weekend, or last week a little bit, 
on a program, and I, you know, it, it, no one understands the journey that other people have made. But from being a, a policeman uh, in the city, city policeman, to being a basketball coach, to being a tennis coach, uh, to all the things that you've done, and uh, you know, you, you've mentored and served a lot of people. But I wanted to, uh, John, can I tell a quick story here, real quick? Sure. Okay, so you get to a place in life where you look back, and uh, and I've got a lot of cliches, metaphors, and things, and that's always sort of been the way that I've, I've remembered things. But as you get older, you really realize that after 60 or so, if you are not giving, and I hate to say give it back, let's give back, that's sort of a, a thing that they coined, some loaded language that's a little bit corny. But basically, you are supposed to go through life aggressively and try to learn all you can and help everybody else, everybody that you can. And then when you get to a certain age, you realize that you've climbed enough mountains and you don't need to climb more mountains. And then thank you for your nice introduction, John. But all of that stuff in the end, that and five bucks will get you a Starbucks. It doesn't matter as far as just the fluff of the stuff. All that stuff gets put in boxes in your garage, and, you know, you tell you, tell your kids, you got to throw this out and burn it, kids. So, you know, when I die, just get rid of the stuff. It doesn't matter. Now, people will do anything to try to say, I'm one-up on you, the one-upsmanship game. Hey, I'm a little bit better than you. I'm a little shinier than you. Well, the bottom line on the thing is that when you get to be about 60, you start realizing there are two kinds of people that grow old. Those that grow old gracefully and those that grow old very ungracefully and still chasing something. And if you're still chasing fame or fortune after 60, hopefully you don't have to chase fortune. Hopefully you're, you know, you, you're okay and you don't have to scramble too much. But the bottom line, if you're chasing the wrong stuff, you look like a burnout rock star looking for a new gig. And it's the saddest thing in the world to see an old person trying to elevate themselves still. So I always say if people, you know, they, you know, all this stuff, oh, you did this and you did that and you did this and you did that, uh, you know, that and five bucks will buy Starbucks. And especially now that we have fake book, I call it fake book. Everybody's a hero on Facebook. Everybody's gotten participation trophies. Everybody's been a winner here. Everybody's, and we started doing that the last 25 or 30 years. So I've always said when you champion the weak, you absolutely cheapen the real champions or weaken. You cheapen and weaken. When you champion the weak, you weaken the real champions. And it's really, really sad what we have done. No one really knows the difference between excellence and average now. It um, is all about what, who has a bigger billboard, who is at the right place at the right time, and we're chasing things that don't even matter. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit here as we try to develop this leadership uh, mentoring that we want to talk about tonight. I think that's what you want me to talk about, John. Um, yes. But we want to... We, we we need to talk, all of, all of us, all of us need to understand, I think that the base of, of uh, um, the foundation is this. I heard a talk back when I was first started coaching at Clemson. I was 25, 26 years old. I went to a talk in Atlanta, and there was a business guy there, and, and I, could, I wish I could give him credit today. Uh, I do not remember who gave the talk. But he said, we all work for six different reasons, and they are financial reward or material reward. We all know that. But the others are association, appreciation, self-improvement, or service to others. There are six things that we, we all are motivated by. Many people are motivated by financial reward or material reward. But the others are being part of something bigger than yourself. I mean, whether you're a Florida football fan or whether you're a Dallas Cowboy fan or a Notre Dame or a Clemson fan, a Citadel fan, 
you want the association motivates people. Okay, appreciation, appreciation goes so so far uh, with people, uh, and I've noticed over the years that we have so many people that are not appreciated. Holy cow, John! It must turn your stomach to see the way police and first responders are being treated right now. And it's, it's, it's frightening and it's horrible, but we were always, always, always taught as children and growing up, you respect that policeman, you respect that principal, you respect that teacher, you expect that, that, pre- that preacher, that priest, you respect those people who are in authority. And somewhere along the line, we lost that, but appreciation goes a long, long way as far as motivation. But then there's self-improvement and service to others. Now, I would like to say this, that self-improvement, if you can continue to work towards self-improvement throughout your life, it really, really helps. But it really gets hard, John, as you know, after 65 or 70, people think, well, what the heck's the difference? But those people that are still trying to learn new skills and trying to improve really have vibrant lives their their entire life. And that's why I've always prodded you, John, for your wisdom and to be able to (laughs) stay in the game because, you know, I mean, we, we need younger people need, need this. And then service to others, you know, that, that is the ultimate, isn't it? As being a teacher and, and um, being able to give to others, um, and, and there's a trap with service to others, and that trap, as we all know, is wanting to get credit. You know, people who give away money, they want to be recognized, or people who donate things want to be recognized. And sometimes it sickens me to see people that pay large fortunes just, you know, they say, well, I'm going to give, but we've got to have my name on this thing. And I'm I'm going to tell a story about <clears throat> that here in one of your last programs. Uh, but tell me if you need uh, need me to go in another direction here, John. I'm, I'm, um, I want to tell a story about the, the service to others part of things in the in the hype. Coach, you go okay? ahead. Yes, go okay. ahead. All right, all right, all right. So. All right, folks, let me tell you a quick story. All right, so, yeah, I've coached 47 years of tennis, and, yeah, 42 years in college, 40 years as a head coach. And, you know, we're talking thousands of practices, probably 10 to 13, I figured 13 or 14,000 practices, giving your best to kids, all those matches, all those days away from your own family, uh, using up all of your emotion on other people's children. Now, sometimes you get this hype from other people and you get some plaque or something. Hey, you know, you've been a good servant. Uh, sometimes you get real nice things or people. But then sometimes you'll, you'll work really, really hard for things and then it, it doesn't even matter. So, you know, I've had a situ- some situations where I felt like, wow, I did all that and nobody even cares. That and five bucks will buy you Starbucks is what I said. Um, you know, the biggest moment of my life, probably, I'm not going to tell you what it was, but it's something I always dreamed of. And I just thought, whoa, people are going to say, wow, he coached those people to do that? Wow. Are you kidding me? That's something noteworthy. Wow. Boy, the USTA, or, or people ought to just say, wow, how did he do that? And But here's the, here's the point. Nothing, nothing. So, I mean, the point is, is you go, whoa, sort of get hurt. But then there's this part, I just said, no, who am I working for? What am I working for? Am I really working as a service and service mentality or servant to other people? Or am I trying to get some hype and some fame out of this that blows away? And pardon me, folks, clear the room, clear the room, your kids. But the hype and fame blows away faster than a fart in a hurricane. So, anyhow, it, it, it doesn't matter in the long run. So, 
my friend was telling me this, and uh, I, at this stage of my life, I really don't care if people don't agree with what I'm saying. I really say what I want to say. I'm not trying to win over allies or something. So I was really down in the dumps, John, and um, I talked to my friend, uh, a man named Robert Davis. Robert has coached on professional tour for 21 years. He lives in Cambodia. He's done a program called From Killing Fields to Tennis Courts. He built had courts built for a lot of kids over there that some of them, you know, it's just an unbelievable situation. If you, you remember uh, Pol Pot and the Killing Fields and things, you get on CNN Asia and find From Killing Fields to Tennis Courts. And this man has done an un, lot of unbelievable things. And he actually plunked out of our program twice. He came back and worked, and then he worked and worked and worked, and he worked his way up the ladder, and he's went on to pro tour, and he's good forever. The guy now is he's – I call him often just for his wisdom. But um, I so I called him, and I just said, you know, you do all this work, and you're hoping that, hey, somebody's going to notice. And, you know, I, I told him about the burnout rock star looking for a uh, – <laughs> another gig and he laughed and he said let me send you something so he sent me this sermon by a guy named R.D. Kendall and Kendall is probably in his late 80s now here's here's the point Kendall talked about the two things in life as far as doing good work and then getting rewards he said there are two things there's the anointing and then there is the crown okay so what do people usually want? They want a crown. We want to be able to wear a crown, a billboard that say, I'm a little bit better than you. I'm a good coach. I'm one of the best. I got this trophy. I got this plaque. I did this and I did that. And, and, and it's, it's really, really ugly when you get old if you're still chasing that stuff. So the point is, I told him that, and he said, well, listen to this sermon, and I did. And R.D. Kendall talks about um, the anointing and then the crown. He he said everybody wants the crown, but what you need, he said, he compared King David to, uh, was it Saul? Saul. One right before, yes, right before King David in the Old Testament. He said, Saul had the crown, but he never had the anointing. He went around his whole life being jealous of David. David had the anointing. He was God's chosen one, and he had the anointing, and he, David, lived his life and made lots and lots of mistakes, but he also got God's crown. He got the crown, but God gave him the crown. So the point is this, he made to me, my friend made to me, and I'm so, so, this has just freed me from so much of the bondage of wanting some kind of, you know, worldly hype for rah, 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 the work I've done that nobody understands, but maybe they want to understand, and maybe I can really enlighten somebody, and, you know, and, and because of my books, and because of these tropes, because of this, because they'll think I'm somebody special, but Robert said to me, he goes, we should only be going after those two things, the anointing, but then any crowns we get has to be God's crown. If it comes in God's time, it's something that we will cherish, not just our whole lives, but it will be something that leaves an impression. And fame is so fleeting anyway that, you know, I my friend also told me, another friend told me, he said, look at Moses. Moses was banished. He was banished from, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and Pharaoh said, let it be written, let it be done. Your name will be stricken from all of history. Here we are 3,000 years later talking about Moses tonight on this telephone conference. Okay? Now, why? It was, it was God's doing. So here's the point. We are fools, folks. We are fools to try to seek our own billboard and to seek our own fame and now it's laughable to see the extent that some people are doing on Facebook to try to make everything look so so good 
What should we be doing? We should be trying to do follow the simple things of being service-oriented towards other. Self-improvement, yes, if we get some appreciation, some association, great. The financial reward, material reward, hopefully we always have a situation where what what God say that, you know, if uh, Lord never give me so little that I would steal, but never give me so much that I would turn from you. And, and the point being is that we, it, it, this is meat and potato stuff that we need as leaders to be teaching other leaders. And I want to talk about the mentoring and how you do that a second. But, John, that's a mouthful. Uh, and, and, but the point is, is this has helped give me peace at this stage in my life. I'm not trying to please anybody except God at this stage. I'm sorry. I'm not embarrassed about that, folks, or anything. But I'd have to be an idiot, you know, to, to, to think that it's important to impress anybody else. I'm just doing the work that God has told me to do, and I'm going to, I'm going to just uh, try to try to do that work as long as I can. And then if I get a few trophies along the way, rah, 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 thank you, thank you. That's nice. That worldly acclaim, I hope that this is pleasing to God and that it's one of God, it's, 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 it's God's crown. It's, it's, you know, if God's anointed me to be a coach, and I believe I'm so, so proud that I've been a teacher and a coach all these years. I've never wanted to be anything else. I always wanted to coach. I never wanted to do anything else. Coaches were always the people I respected. So, you know, John, we have that's, – that's, 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 I hate to say it's, that's our legacy. But that the only thing that lasts after the day we die is what we put into other people. You know, everything – and it just becomes more and more obvious as you go. So – um, I agree, but yeah, I think coaching is something uh, I, I, I lo- always loved Dennis Vandermeer, and what I think one of the reasons my son got along with him so good is he remembers everybody's name and everybody's telephone numbers. He had a great memory, and I'm the world's worst with names, and people will say, and, and Bobby used to even question, you know, he, I'm talking going back 40 years. Yeah, but, you know, you call coach, how about a name? If you listen closely, I don't call everybody. To me, coach is a special, special title. There's a lot of people that are quote unquote coaches that I'll call them by their name, but coaches and uh, the athletic director I worked for, Mr. Stutsky, and took him. And people would say, "You're the only person around here that calls him coach," instead of it. So everybody knows Mr. Stutsky, but Mr. Stutsky knows that I respected him enough that to me he was a coach. coach. He was given, <laughs> uh, yeah, he was right. given service. Right. So right. coach that's to right. me. You know, some people use doctors, some people use Mr., some people use Mrs. or Miss. Or, but to me, that special title that God gives us is, you know, coach is one of them. So go ahead. I Absolutely. don't interrupt you, but no, no, to me, no, that's no, what no, I, don't I say. Even... I think coaches, you just it's said. So interesting. Ahead, I went back to school after I should have taken a class every semester and I would have had three doctorate programs. But the last seven or eight years I was at Clemson, I said, you know, I'm going to try to knock out my PhD. I could be Dr. Charles Creasy instead of coach Chuck Creasy. And I started at it and I got like 30 hours done. And I was, I was fine. I mean, I, I guess I could have done it, but I realized, and I'm not, you know, look, I, I didn't bail out, but I was at an age where I just realized it's taken time. My time was more important than the title. I realized one day I, I enjoyed being called coach more than I ever would be like calling doctor. And you know why? I, coaches were the people that I respected growing up. And um, in our program today, I think you've asked me to try to talk about mentoring in, in the coaching uh, coaching profession and the teaching profession. And uh, I, I feel like I've 
lined up. The, the thing about okay, I, I, you know, when I talked about the coaching profession, I'll go through it this way. You know, financial reward, material reward, association, appreciation, self-improvement, service to others. I used to say, start out by saying, well, you're going to be a teacher or coach. When I talked to teachers, I would say, yeah, it reminds me of about the third year I was a coach. Baseball coach told me, he says, you like working? Yeah, I said, yeah. He said, do you uh, like helping kids? He said, yeah. He said, okay, you might make it. He said, you worry about the money much? I said, well, it'd be nice to make a little bit more. He said, well, let me tell you a story. It happened to me. And he said, got broken into one night. I was in my bedroom, wife of bed, sleep. Heard a noise out there, and I get my gun, and I take my rifle out and a shotgun out of the closet, and I go up downstairs, and I see a burglar there and I put point the gun at and said okay what are you doing buddy he said don't shoot don't shoot I'm just looking for money the baseball coach said well I put my gun down and said buddy let me help you look <laughs> and so, and so, John, we need belly laughs right now. But uh, you know, that's sort of the way I would always. Do. That was the way I'd always start out giving a talk about about uh, coaching. You know, we do we do this work, and we have so much responsibility. We get paid like teachers. You know, and then you know, as coach of association, you know, appreciation, self-improvement, service to others. But, you know, I always had a little funny story to go along with each one of those. But really, I, I do want to um, leave a legacy. Probably my favorite thing is that I do have over 35 of my former players or assistants have been head coaches in colleges. And, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and I'm very, very proud of that. More than anything, most of my players have left either Clemson or the Citadel and continued in tennis some way. Um, they've liked tennis, and that, that, that to me has been a very good litmus test. But, you know, the part about, the, part about the, um, the coaching and the teaching is that we, we we really really do need to mentor and pass down what we 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 have and know. Now, everybody uses the term mentoring, and that's sort of a coin phrase. And typically, you'll get somebody and say, "Okay, we've got this young kid, and I want you to mentor him." Well, if you just have two tier mentoring, where you have a person who is um, giving the teaching and then the person who's receiving it sort of like feeding pigeons or something you get worn out giving 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 and the person becomes sort of enabled enabled and you know this is the tragedy of course of anything and I'll speak straightforward socialism the tragedy of it is that you end up uh, grooming more pigeons than you do eagles and, and the only difference between pigeons and eagles are perspective. You know, one sits on their butt and waits for something to come to them. The other, the other one flies high and uh, seeks out its potential. And uh, I'm, uh, I don't want to get into the thing what we're doing now, but this uh, virus is insidious in that it's uh, making would-be eagles of young people into pigeons. And and uh, hopefully parents who are listening out there, I'm not saying don't be safe, you know, with all that. You've got to be smart, you know. But at the same time, you can't be afraid. If your kids grow up being afraid of stuff, afraid of flying, you know, they'll never be eagles. Always be pigeons hanging out waiting for a, <clears throat> for something, you know. The as a as a teacher, as a parent, as a coach, the two greatest gifts you give to young people. There are roots and wings. You give them the roots with the grounding and the teaching and all that, but the wings to kick them out of the nest when it's time. And uh, it's horrid 
what we're doing right now and um, and teaching. I heard something today that was really good. You know, who said, uh, John, let me ask you this, John. Who said, ask not what our country can do for you, but what you can do for the country? Uh, John, 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 John Kennedy, Jones, right? John. All right, well, John Paul Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did he say John Paul Jones? Oh, my gosh. That's what brings to my head, too. No, Kennedy. It was in his inaugural address. Well, right. That sounds like, that sounds very capitalistic to me. That sounds very, very much about, look, don't wait around for people to give stuff to you. Go out and be an eagle, right? Well, that's right. the Democratic Party. The Dem- the, just think about how it is now where they're trying to set it up where you deserve something. You deserve free this housing. You deserve free food. You deserve free. It is amazing how we have, are breeding pigeons instead of breeding eagles. And I, uh, I'm flabbergasted by it all, and you are too, because our fathers were in World War II and they grew up in the Depression, and and we were taught to go out and fight for stuff and to love our country, and it's pathetic. It's pathetic what we're breeding. But why are we breeding it? It's a lack of mentoring. When you have just a two-tier mentoring, you breed pigeons. You breed those that take and those that give, and that's it. Three-tier mentoring is much better. Three-tier mentoring program works because you are responsible for those under you, accountable to those who are like you, and you have got to be on your toes and hungry to pick up the learning with an inquisitive mind of those that are above you. And so the way a three-tier mentoring program works is for everybody to have a teacher, everybody to have a student, and everybody to have a peer group that they're accountable to that is their same level. Now, you can have a mentoring program. Let me use an example of tennis. Who's in charge of USDA right today? And what I would do is I would, I would get my top professional players, especially those who have experience out there and have great attitudes and everything, I'd take the top 10, the men's side and the women's side, and I would assign them to be mentors towards one or toward 10, towards those one each youngster who's in college. And they would call that person once a week. They would stop over on spring break. Could you imagine somebody like somebody as motivated as a Stevie Johnson at Tennis Sangren? calling our top American U.S. college player and say, hey, Joe, hey, I'm going to be there in Atlanta for a week over Christmas. Can I stay and sleep bunk with you guys? And he stays one week with them. And what he does is he, he or she helps the youngster and just talks to them and gets to know them and mentors to them, and they become a teacher. Now, Joe, but here's the thing you have to do. You know that 18-year-old kid that lives there in Atlanta, you know, uh, Freddie Flintstone or whoever it is, you've got to help him. You've got to do the same thing here. Oh, by by the way, Freddie, there's young Tony, who's that kid that lives over there in at Bunkhead, and he needs some, and you're going to do that, and you have a chain of mentors. So everybody has someone above, everyone has somebody below. Those 10 mentors would have meetings about every six months or so, and they would meet on the phone and say, what are we doing with our mentors, with our young kids who are under us? Now, the first thing that people would say would be, oh, no, these guys would never do that. These are professional, and I, I, I beg to differ. I think that I think that they would jump at the opportunity to mentor and to teach others what they know, because again, you don't get anything by hoarding it. You you expand life and for others if you, if you give it away. So that's the way that works. But you can do that in a business. Immediately, when somebody comes into a business, young whippersnapper, you should put someone above them 
in charge, so they teach them, but they got to say, no, 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 now your job is to teach that young apprentice, the college student who's working here this summer, I want them to work for you so that you teach them. And by the way, you have accountability to hear your peers and we'll meet together. So everybody has a, someone above them, someone below them, and someone even with them. So you have a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. Think about that. Paul is the teacher. Timothy was the student. Barnabas was the traveling companion. And, and you, that is what you have. So that is where we're failing in tennis. That is where we're failing with bringing teachers along. I want to tell a quick story again, and I don't want to get off your track of your time schedule, but John. So this has been probably, I worked at College Park, Maryland. After I went to, after Clemson, I went to Thailand for, did a couple years with work with the Thais and in the Southeast Asia Tennis Federation. And then I went to College Park, Maryland, and I was flying a uh, plane, uh, Southwest Airlines had a short flight down to Charleston. I was going down to see my family. So I got on the plane, and um, I sat there on the on the middle seat, and this guy comes and sits down, oh, takes off his tie. He's probably late 60s, plops down his, you know, and in the chair and go, oh, I need this drink. Oh, I need this drink. And, uh, I go, okay. I said, this is an interesting guy. And I just I said, hey, how are you doing? You look like you've had a rough day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, what do you do for a living? He says, well, I'm a lobbyist up here in D.C. I said, really? I said, what do you do? He said, look, look, I'm a Harry Truman Democrat. <laughs> he said, I love the Democratic Party, and I was working for them, but I am fed up with it. He said, I am so, so disappointed you know, he said, let me tell you, and this is the truth on this. He said this. He said, the tragedy of the Clintons, he said, the Clintons in that administration groomed no one, no one to be leaders after they were gone. They groomed no one. He said, we basically, there's a, a short-sighted mentality going on sort of a, I forget whether he said power grabbing or whatever, but basically there was no concentrated effort to bring some young people along who loved the United States of America, who did this, who did I go, whoa, okay, all right, that's a lot of information. And, you know, I, it was, it, I, I was enlightened in 45 minutes. But, you know, I think about it and I think about what's happened right now, John, it is atrocious what's happening, the, the power grab and how the basic democracies of our country, the basic fundamentals of our country of hard work and independence and love of our country, love our institutions, they're all being just shoved aside. And the people that we're putting in position of power, it's pathetic. There's a saying that there's nothing more pathetic than small people in big positions. You look at some of our leaders, and I go, whoa, I wouldn't follow that person into a daggone um, bowling alley. You know, oh, I'm supposed to follow that person. Would I want that person in a foxhole with me in a war? Would I want to follow that person as a leader? Would I follow that person as a choice? There's no way in the world. You know, just the, the lack of depth, the lack of understanding of God, family, truth, justice, the American way. I mean, all of the things that we believe in. So what's happening, we've been able to promote people to positions without being qualified in everything. And in the tennis, in tennis, it's, it's whoever is the flavor of the month. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time. The coach will get hot and they've got this theory and it's going to wing ding it and it's uh, going to be better than sliced bread. And they're hot for a while and, and you go, whoa, there's not really that much there. You'll see a player rise to get to the top 40 in the world, then they fade. But there's just, mm-hmm. we don't teach the history of the sport. We don't teach the heritage of the sport. We don't teach, aren't taught to honor the sport. And I blame our leaders, our leaders. And I'm, no, you're I'm 100% being... right. I mean, there is no more 
Truman uh, Democrats, there's no such thing no more. Truman says you show me a person that uh, comes in there and they get rich, you know, there's something wrong. Well, unfortunately, we got too many people going into politics not to serve the public, but how can I go better and do better myself? And I think the sad point is, and I think it's part of the process is that part of the we're not, we're just not using our whole brain is because we're starting from schools, we're teaching kids to how to pass tests. We're not teaching them the right. subject matter. I mean, my mother and I didn't appreciate it at the time, but read the classics. And truthfully, uh, when I was younger, I was into the funny, she dropped me off at the library and I didn't spend much time with the classics. And matter of fact, she said I uh, I appreciated Aristotle more than uh, uh, Plato and Socrates is because I was too lazy. <laughs> it was easy. Right. He explained things better. Right. So, but That's now right. we don't right. have the kids even thinking. They don't know what the beauty of of a well, subject is. Well, John, John, but but here, I would like everybody to check this out. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts uh, when I take my walks in the morning, but look up this lady named Diana West. Diana West. She has a book Diana out called West. American West, yes, American Betrayal, okay? And she's got a 30-minute podcast that it's a talk that basically gives the insights of what has happened in America but I want everybody to listen to this. This stuff is not all happening by chance. American betrayal, she points out, it started in 1934. She said it starts out, she points out Whitaker Chambers and this other guy getting off the train in Washington, D.C. They came here basically, Stalin's, Stalin's motivation was this in Russia. He said, we'll let, after World War II, he said, we'll let, We'll let socialism do its job in Europe, but we're going to have to destroy the institutions of the United States because the people are so independent and they're so patriotic. So they went after, and she'll point, and she points out so many things there, but the first thing that they did, first thing that they did, they did, decided to go after Hollywood. So, you know, the McCarthy thing and all that was, was absolutely mm-hmm. true. It was absolutely true because they went after Hollywood. Well, why? Because Hollywood pushed promoted movies all over the world and if they have some you know basically some uh, of the communists in there or whatever they would promote to those kind of movies all over the world then they went after of course the media in the media you know if you go after the media and and basically you have control over the things and in our media now it's not even local news it's all done by these national syndicates and we are piped in stuff that is all programmed and all, and we don't, and we all know that, you know, and uh-huh. even you know, the internet, of course, that's part of the media and things. Then, John, they went after the universities, okay? Yep. The universities. Then they went after our grade schools. Think about No Child Left Behind and think about, John, about uh, the top-down management of in, in our education system run by government. Oh my gosh. It's horrid. They don't need te- they don't teach civics classes or they don't teach about America and the the things that are tre- teaching they're just teaching so many things that are just hideous to to our fundamental beliefs of the United States. John, what's terrifying now they're, they're they've gone into our churches. Our churches have even been compromised. Now with this virus and everything we're not able to assemble for anything, not whether it's a graduation, whether Coach, it's a you church, want to read a new book things. now, and the shit was, when I say new, it was written in 1999 by two okay. uh, CCP uh, generals, communist generals, but it was just translated into English, eh? I just uh, got through with it, uh, Unconventional War. And, uh, you know, Walt Disney making uh, movies in China, making them in China. 
Right. Uh, the, the, the Pope, in order to preach that are in uh, China, they're not sit there and put together by the Pope of the Catholic Church. They're put to, they're sit there authorized by yeah. the Communist Party. We have yeah, things right. now, yeah. direction, big tech is controlled today by the Communist Party. So, I mean, Absolutely. the problem is how do we get people well, that, are, that are lazy because they've been taught how to pass a test rather than the subject matter that of whatever the course is, how to sure. think. And we're at a point yeah. where it's affecting tennis, but it's affecting more than that. We only have about five minutes left, and I do want to bring up something. But ask me when I come on your show next week. You talked about uh, going to Asia. I've got a uh, funny story. I, remember, I, I don't know if you remember or not. I, I will. Going ahead. You announced that, that you were going, and uh, <laughs> something happened <laughs> related to you, but I don't yeah. have uh, time right now for, because we're almost at the end of the broadcast. Let but me make a I'd like point. to thank you. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Okay. Uh, I, like I said, I'm, I think I'm healthy. Uh, I've been blessed for uh, a long time, for 80 years, and I've uh, just uh, my wife has, and she's enjoyed it, but uh, she's gave up a lot for me so I could do what I love. And uh, and now it's time for me to give back. But I've already tried uh, retiring before, and uh, I failed miserably uh, at it. I'm just uh, not good at sitting doing uh, nothing. Uh, I will, uh, you'll have to listen to other people's broadcasts to hear me occasionally. And I'm not saying I'll never come back, but uh, I am the next quarter. I definitely will not be back uh, before the end of the 2021 first quarter. I have to, uh, to think things out. I have to thank the Almighty. I have to add him for more guidance because truthfully, there are times that I sit there and question myself. Uh, I've leaned on uh, Coach Creasy a lot. Am I really doing anything uh, good, or am I just feeding my own ego? I I thought for the last 30 years I've been able to keep my ego in uh, check, but I'm not a good judge of that because I do have biases and for. Uh, an early part of my life, an ego was uh, predominant. Uh, so I, I do question things, and uh, it's, it's nice to have people that you can learn from. Like I tell people, and I'm going to remind everybody, when you're looking for a mentor, yeah, it helps to have somebody that has experience, that made mistakes, and it helps to, to that they're willing to share but you have to ask questions if you're going to be uh, a coach. If you're blessed to be around somebody with that experience, ask them questions. Find out as much as you can. And you don't know. You might become as lucky as I am to be able to be blessed to be talking to some of the individuals I have and uh, people like Chuck and uh, – Scott Ingy and uh, Scott Williams. I've been blessed with and they, when I've asked for help, they were there for me. Coach, we have 40 seconds left. They're yours. Coach, John, are you there? Very, all I, I am John. Let me finish. Circle of, our circle of influence different than our circle of concern, and what you're talking about is exactly right, and you ask, how can we do anything? Well, our circle of influence is in the tennis world, and we need to make sure we keep bottom-up management, not top-down management. You give to the people around you. You help the people around you. You put, help to mentoring. Just help other people. 
like you have, John, and God bless you for your work. You would, I'm just, um, I'm proud to be your friend, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful for all the work you've done, John, and thanks for letting me be on your program. Well, thank you for especially the last program I wanted you on because uh, I've just been blessed to uh, be able to uh, know you. And uh, like I said, next Wednesday, uh, remind me what my age, what my memory, sometime my short-term memory. But have a blessed week, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.